What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, August 29th, 2022, and this week's episode, the UFC touches down in France. We'll be talking about the weekend in mixed martial arts, the return to form for Demetrius Johnson against Adriano Moraes, and the latest in MMA news... UFC 279 levels up with some very intriguing welterweight matchups. And we'll cap off the show by talking about this coming Saturday's event, the UFC's debut in France, and the heavyweight headliner between Cyril Gaon and Taito Ivasa, and the high-stakes co-headliner between former champion Robert Whittaker and Marvin Vittori. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hey, Double G. What's cracking? How you doing? I am good. Busy weekend, busy stuff. We still got our de- our weekly dose of mixed martial arts. So all the fans who are like, oh, there's no UFC. There's no Bellator. Guys, you had one championship, Amazon Prime, Demetrius Johnson. You know, think you're set. You know what I mean? So it was good. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, um, I didn't expect the show to entertain me as much as it did and um, we can dig into it more um but i was very happy with uh with what i saw from one on prime it was uh it, it makes me excited for things to come yeah so um we'll talk about the quote presentation maybe in broadcast in a second but uh to get into it obviously we had a essentially the only show in town from Singapore, Demetrius Johnson in a rematch against Adriano Moraes. You'll remember that last year, Adriano, you know, I believe it was first round knockout, um, stops Demetrius, ends the, you know, really was just a very authoritative stoppage. And we were raising questions, oh, is this the beginning of a decline for Demetrius and things like that? Demetrius had the special rules about with Rotang, but, you know, it wasn't like, a high-level MMA, all the weapons, everything to worry about, fight for Demetrius. Saturday, or sorry, Friday comes around, and once again, you had a very prepared Adriano, but just a resilient Demetrius Johnson, once again, giving up all this height and reach, but just kind of stuck to the game plan, kept moving, didn't let significant damage, you know, accumulate, got his shots in, until finally he got that finishing sequence, touches Adriano right on the chin, backs him up, and then the mouse takes flight like the mighty one he is named after. Um, a bit of a, po- I'll say poetic justice that he loses the fu- the title fight by knee and he wins the title now with a flying knee, um, gets the stoppage of Adriano in the fourth round. What were your thoughts? It was very. It was, a, it was a great fight. I was so happy to see DJ looking amazing at 36 years old. I thought, man, this guy is just a specimen, right? He's he's you know challenging Father Time right here before our eyes. It was a good fight, and I was asking myself, why wasn't I this entertained by some of DJ's fights at the UFC? You know, and he was criticized for that a, a lot, and and that's why. Um, sometimes he doesn't get the credit that is due, but 
it's because I think he, he was grapple heavy, right? He did a lot of grappling. The, the thing is, he was always active. He was never, you know, stalemating against the cage or on the, on the canvas, but he didn't use his, his striking as much against Marias in one where his opponents are always bigger than him, even though, you know, it's the same weight class. He's doing a lot more striking, and it's really exciting to watch. So I was very pleased with his performance. Marias looked great as well. A, a fabulous finish. And I love the, the way he, it was almost like a, you know, um, now I can't remember his name, uh, Mark uh, Hunt. Yes. Uh, walk off, right? You know, he landed a knee, the knee. And before Marias even hit the, the canvas, he was already jog, jogging away, celebrating. And I loved his interview. First of all, that belt is ginormous. <laughs> yeah. It's like three times the size of the UFC belt, even the old UFC belt. In his interview, he was so excited. He's narrating his finish the way you might do it with your friends at home with sound effects like, and I got him. You know, it was really funny to see. It was almost like he was just, you know, on Twitch and talking about, a, a you know, something he just did in the game. So he looks like he's really happy and a great finish. I would like to see a third one. It, it just makes perfect sense. Um, I'll admit that I'm not very familiar with the other fighters in the division. So for me, it's kind of actually a no brainer to make this rubber match as opposed to having mighty mouse, you know, fight against somebody else. But, uh, overall it's very entertained and it didn't make me miss the UFC, um, having <laughs> this event on Saturday or Friday, I guess. Yeah. There, there is another guy coming up. I, I read it. I had it in my head, but, um, the fact is, there are other contenders. Um, there's a lot of rosters to keep track of. Um, I'll find it right now. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think that it's one of those things that when you look at Demetrius... Um, oh, uh, Kairat Akhmedov. There it is. Okay. So another guy doing his thing in one championship. You know, so I want to address that. Um, you talked about that with UFC. Uh, we've... It's not the first time we've discussed this. I think it's a mixed bag of why Demetrius didn't click. Um, first and foremost, I think people need to acknowledge the UFC has, for the Western audience that, you know, ESPN and the pay-per-views and all this other stuff, they have so many stars mm -hmm. that I think are familiar to the Western audience. You know, you have, um, I mean, Connor, uh, Charles, Jorge, Arasanya, and Ganu, and uh, the list goes on and on. Um, so I think having a little dude like Demetrius, who sometimes the presentation, Jose Aldo got a little bit of this. It felt like he wasn't as emotionally invested. This is just his personality. It just uh -huh. kind of seems that way. He's more reserved. I think Demetrius had a bit of that in UFC during his run. And so it kind of felt like when you have all these other guys really throwing down the gauntlet and saying some stuff, little Demetrius kind of got lost in the shuffle. Whereas in one championship, I do believe that the uh, vibe is different and that that works better with his personality. Yeah. But then secondly, it's just bigger fish, small pond. Most Western people, if you're tuning in for one championship, it was probably to see Demetrius, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, he was part of the one century, the 100 event where he debuted in the tournament. He was fought Ratang at the 1X, you know? He's been part of those cards that were 
more heavily promoted to the Western audience. Whereas, you know, a lot of the guy, the cards where they're more stacked with the kickboxing and the Muay Thai fighters, they tend to fly under the radar. You know, they're not getting the coverage on the MMA junkies and MMA fightings and ESPNs of the world. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that lends a part. All the little, all those little pieces lend a part to it. I do feel like Demetrius is having a bit of a a bit of a moment here. I did see that several publications, you know, bumped him back up in the rankings. I think that was well-deserved. I think people are sleeping on just how good Adriano Moraes is. Remember, one championship flyweight is 135 pounds, not mm-hmm. 125 like we understand it. So you look at Moraes, I think he had a little bit of the Charles Oliveira vibe to him. I think that he was just... You know, he was in there with another great athlete, but I think Marais is another guy who you put him in there with the Peter Jan, Sean O'Malley's, Chito Veras. He hangs in there with the best of them. And I think you've got to respect that man that way. Bantamweight is just Bantamweight is just having a moment, and he, as a 135-er, is just a part of that run also. So it was good for Adriano, good for Demetrius, obviously the best for Demetrius. Um... In terms of the one on Prime Video, the only thing I can really knock on it is they had a bit of a flub. They cut to commercial, and I guess the scores were read for one of the fights during the commercial. So if you're tuning in live, you know, okay, we'll be right back with the decision. But when they come back, they're already starting to talk about the next fight. Mm. And you're like, wait, who won? So you got to do the whole Twitter Uh. internet search. Okay. Outside of that, and I'm sure that was just, you know, logistical. I think it looked exactly the same as we tend to see it when they were on TNT or when you watch them on YouTube after the fact, but or Bleacher Report app. Um, I, like you said, I liked it. I felt like it was very easy to find on Prime. I didn't feel like you had to search anything in particular. You, One Prime video, boom, or one championship, boom, right there, top hit so i do appreciate that i think it um i just think that that worked out for it what about you i i really liked being able to sit on my sofa and just you know turn on the roku go to prime and watch the fight the way i do espn um and every the way i do with espn for ufc and pfl so that was great i will say though initially i looked up the fight on my phone and through the Prime Video app on my phone, um, one was promoted in the hero banner, which is you know the very ban- the banner at the very top where you scroll through five or six options of what they're pushing hard. Mm-hmm. And that's where one was. So I was like, oh, this is excellent. Like, what great placement. When I went to Roku through my TV, it wasn't on the hero banner. Um, in the hero banner, I had to scroll down pretty far. This is going to sound like complaining. This is first world problems, but... It was actually, um, through Roku anyway, uh, Amazon, it was a little bit tricky to find. And when I finally scrolled down far enough past Thursday uh, night football, I found it. And um, the fight itself was not available to click on on, the, on that main row. So I had to enter one and then find it. So, like, it should have just been the first option right below um Thursday Night Football. So I'm being nitpicky, but it's important because this is a big deal in my eyes. Anyway, once I got in, 
they had it broken up between uh, lead card and main card. And, uh, you know, my, my Western American brain didn't process that at first. So I was watching the lead card and then I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> where's Mighty Mouse? Any case, got to the main card. Here's my only, my only gripe about it. The interface is, is a little too simple. So it doesn't give you the preview window that you get, um, like on, on Netflix some of the other apps. Yeah. The other yeah. And that's important when, you know, you're maybe not necessarily interested in every fight. They're not breaking down each fight like they do on ESPN Plus, which is very helpful. Um, but I noticed that on ESPN Plus, they only do that for UFC. They don't break the fights up for PFL. So it must be a, a UFC, you know, exclusive uh, feature. Any case, back to Prime. So you, you can't skip, you know, watch a specific fight. All right, no big deal. Um, the fast forward function... It's kind of hard to see where you are, how fast you're going. So I was doing a lot of back and forth trying to trying to get to where I wanted to get to. Um, otherwise, it was really nice, like I said, to be able to just watch it on my TV. The presentation, yeah, unchanged from what I've seen in the past, but I was sucked in. I actually watched a lot of fights. They were all very entertaining. These guys came to bang, guys and girls came to bang. I got to tell you, Double G, I enjoyed this uh, card more than I have any PFL or Bellator card in, you know, in a long time. So I'm really happy for one. I, you know, I do wonder because I'm not so familiar with their roster. Did they just put all their best eggs in this basket and this prime on, you know, one on prime one, as they called it, which is a little tongue twister there. Um, or is this typical of, of one championship where everyone that that's in the promotion, most everyone's coming out to just to just go, and um, overall, my rating for this would be B plus A minus. Like they got me, and so uh, whenever their next event is, I, I'm gonna tune in, even if it's not someone I know, because they're really they're 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 all of a sudden in my mind catapulted to a, a, a higher position in the in the MMA promotion rankings than they were before. Just, just because of accessibility, and uh, they're backing it up with performances. My only other concern is that their production value is fine, but there's something about the lighting or the camera quality that makes it look European or foreign. This, this is going to sound a little bit weird, but like if you're an American sports fan, you're used to things looking a certain way, and UFC lines up with that too. This looks a little bit different, and so I think, you know, it could it could take a while for. It's some almost to too dark, right? Yeah, like there's is. a filter over it. It's, yeah, yeah. There's like a like a dark bit. filter. Like yeah, Barbara Walters lighting, you know. So, so, <laughs> so that's something that I think. Okay, it makes me think of Glory, which is the same concern I had. It, it, it looks, the lighting isn't just isn't right. You got to make it look a little more. Well, why should they, right? Their their biggest audience is not here in America, but that's that's something that jumps out at me. But in general, B plus A minus, I'm very happy. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, I think that um I, I am interested to see if over time the fights are presented more on demand. Like can you I know for example they had Demetrius versus Marais one on there. So I'm wondering if over time they start to offer up some of the more you know, though just single fights to search and kind of grow the brand i know they had some features on like angela lee and you know some of the other guys and girls like that which i think is great 
Um, yeah, they tend to be very well matched. I think that everything about when you talk about the one championships and Ryzen is probably the biggest victim of this in the United States. It's not that they're not fun, interesting shows that are clearly just different than what we get in the States from the UFCs, Bellators, PFLs. Mm -hmm. I think it's about the accessibility, the timing, and just the promotion. I mean, you're talking about, if you're talking about in the United States where if you're watching MMA, the one that you are sold is UFC. For example, we are sold NBA basketball. We are not sold European basketball here in the States, right? Right, right. In Europe, they are. In France, they are. Of course. Same, you know, soccer, because, uh, you know, overseas, they have the better leagues. We are sold those, but even then, we MLS is on ESPN. Uh-huh. The big, you know, the American League is on the, Ameri- in the, the biggest sports network in America. So I think that that's a big part of the one disconnect, the same way Ryzen I mean, uh, I know Ryzen has an English broadcast, but I think it's like on Fight or something. Uh The fact is, it's just harder to get to those things. Um, My final point with that is that I like what you said about just accessibility. Um, Were they not ahead of the boys on the banner? Is that what was ahead of them? I can't remember. (laughs) There was like a Rambo. I think there was a Rambo movie. What? Yeah, like a Rambo. No, 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 sorry, not Rambo. It was some kind of Sylvester Stallone movie. I can't remember what it's called. Samaritan or something. Okay, okay. <laughs> but anyway, so I think that that's really it. So I am um, refreshed to hear that that has helped because I think that's a lot. They're, they're solid fights. They have solid talent. I think that um, sometimes it takes a minute. And also, you're t- once again, when you talk about the UFC and going back to that, when you're talking about even... A very uh, there's like what 600 plus athletes on the UFC roster. Yeah, and then you want to tune in to maybe the Kayla Harrisons of the PFL, the Musasis, AJ McKees, another that Rafian Stotts and Bellator, and then now you want to add a fourth roster, and you know, even for the people who love MMA, it's a lot. We like, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to just remind you of something. I get paid to talk about this. <laughs> I get paid to talk about this every week and write about it and do videos. And it's a lot for me. Mm-hmm. So for the average consumer, especially when you already have so much MMA on your other networks and UFC and all that every week. I mean, I'd be clicking through the cable and... On ESPN, there's UFC replays like every two or three days. I I can get why it's harder to jump on board the one championship bandwagon unless you really, really are interested in getting something that's not Western related with MMA. So that was a long winded way to break all that down. But the fact (laughs) is, um, I think that's why it's not that they're not a completely solid show. I like the ton of their fights. We've covered them. Um, they've been the lead show over UFC on MMA Daily. It's just, once again, you got to really invest in it to really appreciate the martial arts at the level that you get the others from mm-hmm. week in, week out here in the States. But yeah, um, I, I bring it back once again to Demetrius. He talks to Helwani. 
And, you know, it's like, did you feel like you got your mojo back? And he just says, you know, completely serious. I never felt like I lost my mojo. Yeah. That was the thing other people were saying. I never felt like I lost it. And you know what? On Friday night, it didn't look like he ever did lose the mojo. So I just want to say that mission accomplished DJ. He adds that you you brought up a great point last week. When you talk about 12, 13 UFC title defenses, it's very hard to feel like, oh, it's going to be, what's it called? Like his legacy is set. When we talk about it, we may not even discuss one. Mm-hmm. Friday night, he deserves the credit for. Yeah. Because that's up there with Horiguchi, John Dodson, Prime Benavides, um, all, Henry Cejudo, all of those wins. That was a very dangerous guy who was on a great run, feeling himself, confident, talented, and DJ got the job done after he'd been slept in the first fight. Give the man the credit for that one. That needs to be discussed when, you know, breaking down the overall career of DJ. So I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Um, MMA news. I'll be honest. I think a lot of people took the week off. I think it, and rightfully so, you know, it's been a very busy summer, a lot of traveling, a lot of big cards. They don't have this stat somewhere, but I feel like this is the most pay-per-views they've had in a month and a half span. So if you think the 4th of July card, I think happened right before 4th of July, end of July, they had another pay-per-view, August 10th, you know, last, or, you know, essentially two weeks ago now, another pay-per-view. This has been a very busy schedule for the UFC, so I appreciate that some of you know a lot of the news wasn't breaking and all that. However, one we didn't discuss: UFC 279 levels up with two very intriguing welterweight fights. So first, you have the welterweight debut of Tony Ferguson taking on the Leech Lee Jiang Leung, and then you also have Daniel Rodriguez making his first appearance in 2022 against Kevin Holland. If you guys have kept up with it, Kevin Holland has been calling for this fight for a minute now, so they're finally going to get that one going. And all of this is added to next Saturday's card. So depending on when they actually got the call, it's been less than four weeks since since we know that these fights are being added to September 10th. So first off, um, I want to ask you the question, then we'll get into the fights a little bit. Um, what do you think, like, the fight, the pay-per-view is 75 bucks, and people, I'll say this with the most respect, it felt like a very one-fight card. And it's very rare that the UFC does that for a pay-per-view. It's very, I mean, it's unheard of since pandemic that they do that for a card that's going to have a live audience in an arena, not just Apex. And so, do you feel that this two-pack adds to it doesn't make it worth it does it give you now your values worth in your opinion natalie you know i i don't think it i think i would have felt like i was getting my values worth without these being added this is bonus this is the cherry the whipped cream um because nate versus hamzat to me that's one of those exceptions that makes me think of boxing where you're really just paying for one fight you're just paying to see Nate and Hamza, and that's it, and that's fine. Now, I think this is just thank you to the UFC for adding some other more um, additional interesting fights. 
I'll just say, when was it that Tony Ferguson got knocked out by Michael Chandler? Seems a May. little soon. May. Oh, yeah, it might seems, be April. Seems a little soon yeah. to me. Um, and moving up to welterweight, I'm only okay with that because, you know, for the sake of his body, so he doesn't have to cut. And presumably this is a, a rather short notice um, assignment. But it's no walk in the park. Now, he did look great in that first round against Chandler, but this just makes me a little nervous, a little uncomfortable um, to have Tony Ferguson back so soon fighting a, a, a bigger opponent. But okay, all that is to say, back to answer your question, yes, it's nice that they added these extra fights, but I would have been fine paying, ugh, even though it's $75, I would have been fine paying that just to see Hamza versus Nate. So I have to actually say, I feel um, like, yes, it adds to the value, but I actually feel the opposite. I think of it as a general consumer who, look, I know very well what it was like to buy pay-per-views frequently and all that stuff, you know. Now, you know, things get covered around here. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, look, the work work is good, right? That being said, I do feel like when I looked at the original card, and I'm like, okay, if uh, I go back to this, I know there's a lot of expectation, a lot of what if around Hamzat Nate. What if Nate starts looking like the guy who came back and beat Connor? What if he starts looking like the guy who took apart Michael Johnson? What if uh, I completely get that? I think, though, I remember what we've been sold with our own eyes. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, it's on YouTube right now. Gilbert Burns versus Hamzat. Gilbert is a freaking tank. I know. Yeah. And by all accounts, everyone who knows about this gets the feeling that Nate just doesn't want to cut weight. He's not exactly going out there lifting weights trying to be this really built solid welterweight. So, you know, uh, all of these factors, you know, the momentum, the the feeling that Nate is just kind of looking to phone it in and then go home as dangerous as that sounds you know so he could move on to jake paul paydays and all this other stuff all of that makes me boils it back down when it comes time to you know that screen comes up are you sure you'd like to purchase <laughs> that's when that's the key because this isn't you know eight eight dollars something on amazon I think when you see that, that's when fans are like, ugh, you know, because it's like, if you look at that card, and then presumably this may happen, it probably won't really good chance it can. I know that didn't make sense. Stay with me. <laughs> you get that card, Hamza gets Nate out of there in like 80, 90 seconds. Was that worth 75 bucks to you? No. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know what? Everybody, if it's about the hype, by all means, like I said, go be happy. Um. So, I do appreciate. I do think that this does get you a little more. Okay, I feel a little better about this. You know, people love Tony. If you know about Daniel Rodriguez, then you know how good this fight is with Kevin Holland. All of that does add, it does make you feel better about what you're getting for the price tag. But I will say, the way we've been sold it, the way everyone is talking about Hamzat Nate, they did need some backup on September 10th. And I'm glad the UFC, I think, heard that and responded. So I appreciate it. 
right. but that's just me you know th- i know <laughs> there's going to be some people who are just like i'm right or die nate diaz god bless you know what i hope the show is great for you guys i i'm not <laughs> i'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek i'm not saying that you know um oh what insincere i i i really do mean it because i think that that's part of the fun of these big shows so i hope you get that out of enjoying the show with uh, nate one more time in ufc in terms of the fights themselves yeah the the turnaround for tony ferguson i do have concerns but you know he's been at welterweight before when he won tough and i think pre-ufc career um uh, the leech is not a easy out for anybody. No. There's a reason he was brought in to test Hamzat. So that uh, the interesting. I know obviously Tony's going to have the hype, but Leech should be favored in that fight. Obviously, it's I believe this is three or four fight skid for Tony. Ugh, it doesn't feel good, right? No. You know he's so popular. You know he was right there for the belt, and then. It's just been a very, you know, tough one to digest if you've been along for the ride and it felt like he was the 1B to Habib's 1A. So that's that plays a factor. Um, Then, of course, like I said, with Daniel Rodriguez, Kevin Holland, Kevin has looked great at welterweight. Daniel Rodriguez is so... What's a good way to describe it? He is deceptively talented under the radar. Because I believe he's had it out there in interviews. You know, he's got that very... Put it this way. You expect him to speak the way Chito Vera does. <laughs> you know, he's got as L.A. as you could get it. I think he's got... Every appearance of his, I see him in L.A. team-related stuff. I know he's got like that Dodger or the Laker tattoo on him. You know... He talks about his past. He's done some time and all this and uh, all of that stuff. He is a deceptively good boxer. He's kind of like Adrian Yanez with a little more seasoning. Just not ranked yet, still working their way up. But you just had the feeling that he could put it together against ranked opponents right now. And so you put that matchup together. It's a very good one. For, you're going to get good bang for your buck there, is what I'm tr- trying to get at. So, I think it's going to be a very good fight. I think that now you have that three-pack. Anything could happen on the undercard. I think they have Irena Aldana coming back. Macy Chesson, that's big for the 135 title picture. Uh, you have some of the some other good stuff going on, on the undercard. Now we have, okay, now I'm like, all right, we have a fight night. We're, we got this now, so... I do think that this is uh now it's more solid. Now I think you have a more firm foundation. You're feeling better about it now. <laughs> I've gone a long time on this segment, so there we go. <laughs> no, uh, no, do no, you I'm have just, yeah. Do you have any more to add though about Okay. Um, uh, the when did Hamzat ragdoll the leech? Last October. Okay. And, and he's bounced back since then, leech. Okay. Well, I'm just thinking to your point about, you know, you're paying $75 to possibly potentially see Nate get finished in the first round so I mean how would you rank Nate um against the leech you know if, if they were to fight who who would be the, the winner in that fight I'm just trying to do some MMA math you know Hamza ragdolls the leech does Nate ragdoll 
the leech too or uh, mm. what, what? <laughs> nate diaz versus the leech that now see that's a good question you know what i feel like that would be more competitive for the simple fact that leech isn't a lights out wrestler he's well-rounded when he gets you there but he's not uh I always say he's not Habib. That's not fair. Nobody's Habib <laughs> no when he's uh, when Habib's on a roll. You tell me another guy who wrestles like freaking Habib. Yeah. Anyway, um, my my point is though he's not lights out with it every time. I think his game really he's a sturdy guy who puts it all together. Decent stand up, decent grappling, but he's not like oh he's the most beautiful striker. He's the most dominant grappler. He puts it together, and he's a very tough athlete, too. I think that Nate's length would actually give him some problems, and the jiu-jitsu. But I do think that that's still... Uh, I would favor Leech, just because of the way he's able to put it together, I think, a little more smoothly. From striking to grappling, as opposed to Nate. Nate kind of just boxes you until you decide to take him down, and then suddenly he's this... A Gracie jiu-jitsu black belt. Yeah. But yeah, he exactly. never looks to use it himself first. Right, right. Yeah, I, th- I agree. I think the leech would, would also win. And just, you know, size. Nate's tall and skinny, lanky, but, you know, like you said, he's not bulking up to make 170. He's just not cutting weight to make 170. Uh, unlike his, his uh, you know, his peers in the in that division. Um you know, I was thinking just as you were talking about, are you getting your money's worth again real fast? And so, yeah, if Hamza finishes Nate fast, that would suck. But think about, first of all, think about the pre-hype, the pre-fight hype, right? That's going to be entertaining. What do you think Nate Diaz is going to say on the microphone? Win or lose, his last you know, fight in the UFC contracts up, I bet it's something interesting. And, and that's, that's going to be exciting too. <laughs> Peace out, mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Is it gonna be short and sweet? Drop the mic. Oh yeah. He ain't like, gonna hey, give no Conor speech. everything I worked for. You know, like one of those things. He right? ain't gonna give no speech. He might already have his next fight booked, and he'll be like, "Hey guys, me Jake Paul, October thirty first. <laughs> Dude, you're see right. you later. <laughs> he might use it as a as a promotional opportunity for his next venture. <laughs> Imagine someone gets on the mic at a UFC show. Dana White would be like, cut the mic, you know. (laughs) But anyway. All right. By the way, Jake Paul's supposed to make an announcement this week, too. How about that? How about that? (laughs) Did you see Vitor Belfort's fighting Roman Jr.? I did read that. I saw that, yeah. Uh, Interesting. I, I... I'm not gonna lie. This is the one thing about it. it. Like, they teased me with, you know, Triller in L.A., and I was so ready. Since then, they have not even sniffed the idea of bringing those guys back to crypto. So I'm a little disappointed. But, you know, so every time I read it, oh, you're bringing them. And then it's like, O2 Arena, London. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it, but it was a long flight. Not, you know. That's long, yeah. I need to recharge the batteries some more before I do that again. <laughs> anyway, um, UFC Paris. So uh, I'll say this. I think that pandemic really mess with them but UFC taking an extra year to reach Paris I think Bellator has done at least two cards there since then um, since it became legalized in the country 
but the UFC is coming with a really good double header. Let's start. Let's start with the bottom. Robert Whitaker looking to bounce back after losing to Adesanya against Marvin Vittori. Um, clearly high stakes because I think the winner of this one, right now, I am very comfortable saying second best middleweight in the world. It is Robert Whitaker right now. Vittori had a great win streak after losing to Adesanya. He bounced back with a good win over Paulo Costa. So now I think that if Vittori were to take Whitaker's spot with a win, that'd be very fair. Obviously, both of these guys are not in a position where they could talk about Adesanya number three, but it would not change the fact that they are very clearly the precursor to such a big fight for any hopeful. For stylistically, very stocky Marvin Vittori, but people sleep on his grappling. He's very good at staying in your face and just getting you down and just making you work. He really did that well against Jack Hermanson. Um, I want to say he did that. Oh my gosh, I'm sleeping. Did he do that to Kevin Holland? I think so. Yes, yes, there it is. Um, the fact is, it just very good at putting that together with his grappling. Um, very built middleweight. He has a bit of the... I don't know what it is. Him and Costa just have them T-Rex arms. Yeah. How yeah. are you that freaking thick and jacked, but yet the reach is not... But it doesn't bother him. He makes it work. He's very good. Robert Whitaker. If Israel Adesanya wasn't there, you'd be talking about just the movement, just his ability to counter, just slip and move. Footwork is great. Um, his ability to stay on the feet is really great, too. He's a bit like middleweight Jose Aldo with that takedown defense. Yeah. Go back and watch his fight with Jacare. Beautiful takedown defense from Robert Whitaker. Um, the point being, though, I think that when it comes time to get in the pocket and bang, will he be able to keep you know that Italian horse off of him in Vittori? And I think that's where the real crux of the fight is. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on, on both the breakdowns. I think Whitaker will, to answer your, your question there, I think he will be able to stave off Vittori's takedowns. I mean, Whitaker's got the best sprawl in the game. Fast, quick, powerful, now, you know, is it going to work every time? Probably not. But just to me, Robert Whitaker is just leagues above Marvin Vittori. Marvin Vittori. Yeah, he couldn't beat Adesanya, but even he said it after after the loss the second time around. You know, we're just like the top two guys, and, and that's it. And I really don't expect Marvin I can't, why is it so hard for me to say Marvin Vittori? It's the two Vs, Marvin Vittori. Anyway, I don't expect Vittori to to make Whitaker sweat too much. I think Whitaker is going to be able to control the fight, execute on his game plan, striking, moving around, defending the takedowns with that freaking badass brawl that he has. Um so this is one of those where I'm just like, I'm not even worried. Whitaker's just going to win. I know I'm not trying to discount Vittori. It's just that Whitaker's just that good. And, you know, he had the setback when he was champion, losing the belt, but he came back. To me, he's still hungry. It's what's his motivation now is just to keep getting better, to prove that he is still at the top of this division. 
because yeah, a fight, a third fight without Asanya is unlikely, very unlikely. But it's almost like Robert Whitaker's running a, a second league in the welterweight welterweight division, where he's the king, and like they're almost paralleling each other, even even though Adesanya is the champion, because because Whitaker's just that darn good. So I, I think it's gonna be. Almost a walk in the park. I know that sounds crazy, but I think Whitaker's smarter, faster, better, all-around MMA fighter, and he's going to outpoint Vittori for a unanimous decision win. I think it really comes down to who executes it. I think that Whitaker should be able to stick and move, like you said, and I think if he's effective doing that, he should be able to stay out of the way at a lot of that major damage, a lot of those major weapons that Vittori tends to implement. If Vittori is able to even semi-effectively slow down Whitaker, then we could have a bit of like that Marab versus Jose Aldo situation. You know, you start burning the clock, you start, you know, just starting to wear him down. It's not that something dramatic is necessarily happening. It's just more the fact that he's getting in those right positions and he's the one doing the work. And it forces Whitaker to be on the defensive, not the offensive. Um, Vittoria has the tools, I think, of the abilities and the weapons. I think, though, the more the better weapons seem to feel like they're on the side of Whitaker. The speed, the technicality out there. He just flows a lot better on the feet than Vittori. Um so that's why using that grappling, making this a bit of a slower, maybe less exciting fight in route to getting to those good positions, that's going to be real key for Marvin. But I do agree with you. I feel like the movement should really favor um, Robert Whitaker, and that should get the job done for sure. I'll go decision two. 15-minute uh, fight, so it really does help him in that way. As opposed to, you know, these guys by now, they're used to 25-minute bangers. So yeah. I'm sure they'll appreciate 15. Uh, to move on, to though, we have the main event, Cyril Gunn against Taitu Ivasa. Cyril looking to bounce back. Remember, this guy was... Uh, he was uh, the Ivan Drago of the heavyweight division, right? Just mm -hmm. He's got such good technicality. He's like the young phenom. Um, and Ganu out-wrestles him, that still feels weird to say. I know. <laughs> to a victory. And then, you have obviously Taitu Ivasa comes out the gate in the UFC, goes up and down, and now he is just must-see television. He always was, but now he's putting it together against big names, you know? The Greg Hardys, Derek Lewis... You know, he's just lighting dudes up. And it's been dramatic. It's been fun. I think that he has really hit his stride. I think that he was a young man when he came into the UFC. Still younger dude, but he's hit his stride. He knows how to... Ex he's comfortable expressing himself. I think he knows what fans like about him. So he knows how to give the people what they want when he's out there in public, on the mic and everything. So it makes for this very intriguing fight. Cyril gone, home field advantage, doesn't have to travel too far. I'm sure he appreciates it. Makes for a very interesting style matchup. You have a great technician against a very exciting knockout artist 
who's taken plenty of hits, but has survived everything and comes back to sleep you. Just, I mean, I'll leave it from there. What are your thoughts on this one? I mean, that's perfect. You, you set that up beautifully. You could do the intro for the uh, for the opening of the card. I'm ready. Um, call 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 Megan. Tell her she can stay home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, this is a, a really exciting matchup, as you said. Cyril is precise. He's patient. He's powerful. Tied to Ivasa is definitely more disciplined than he used to be. Like, you know, when he came in, of course, he was knocking people out. Then he had that three-fight skid, regrouped, reset, came back, and started just making an, an, a new name for himself, reliable, entertaining, knockout, knockout, you know, artist. The win against Derek Lewis is probably his biggest. That was an exciting fight. He knocked him out with an elbow, just, you know, sent, sent Derek Lewis straight to the canvas, which you do not see. So whose fight style is going to prevail here? You know, if I'm tied to Ivasa, I'm going to probably be a little patient in round one and look for my opportunities starting rounds two and three. Cyril Gon's not going to take any chances. He's not the type of fighter that wants to knock you out right away. He's happy to just touch you from the outside. And he's powerful enough that if he does land just the right punch, like a jab, like he did with Junior Dos Santos, it'll hurt you. Now, is it going to hurt someone like Taito Ivasa? No, probably not. Not, a, not. not on the first strike. But all that is to say, I think Cyril Gan's just going to be as patient as possible. He's not trying to create a big, crazy highlight reel victory for himself, even though he's at home. He wants to win more than he wants to impress. So he's going to stick to his game plan, try to win with punches, um, try to win on the scorecards. Tai Tuivasa, like I said, he should stay patient in round one, but then two and three start looking for that opportunity to finish Cyril Gan. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I think Tai Tuivasa is more likely to hurt Cyril Gan than Cyril Gan is to hurt Tai Tuivasa. Here's my last my last point on this uh, question, really. If Cyril Gan gets hurt and gets cornered by Tai, do you think he's going to start, you know, doing that defensive brawling striking that we often see in heavyweight fights, where he's trying to save, uh, trying to trying to knock out Tai, or do you think he's just going to circle out and reset? Um, Ooh. Right, because that's something you don't really see from Cyril, like feeling cornered and striking to to win. Um, so I'm curious if that happens. But but all that is to say, I think, whew, I think Ty's going to find his opportunity. I think this is a a huge step up for him, big challenge. But if he gets this win, it's going to put him right into the that that cozy little spot that he wants to be in for a title shot, or maybe interim if um if Francis and Ghana is still going to be gone for a long time. Oh, that conversation's for another day, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. <laughs> I don't even want to tackle but I'm all that. because he's so exciting. And so it wouldn't oh, be he, he, He's a shoe-in. It should be... A shoe-in for the shoe Ha, <laughs> <laughs> Well done. Yeah, I mean, one, all that, you're very right about everything you're saying. I think that you asked me about that for Cyril. He's... Uh, I, I think that you have to when you're really cornered like that there's only one way out and that's by 
kind of uh, put the chin down and kind of swinging your way out of that corner. I don't think that if he's against the fence, Ty is going to give him that chance to move and make it look pretty, which is how Ty wins fights, and I think he should stick to that. If anything, I think it's going to come down to the movement of Cyril. He's got to fight him like he fought Derek Lewis. No mm-hmm. two ways around it. You got to make it slow. You got to make this feel like it's not fun. It's pro- if Cyril Gunn is winning, unless he gets a quick finish, which is very difficult to do against Ty, you're just gonna have to leave it as um, what's it called? You're just gonna have to make it a very ugly to watch fight. Stick and move. Stay out of there. Attack the calf. You know, Ty is dangerous all until the last second. So yeah, yeah, you're just going to have to accept that you're going to have to really, really make this happen over time. I think if you're Cyril gone. I know it would be scenes for Ty to catch Cyril. But I actually think compared to all of uh, Ty's recent opponents, Cyril should provide the most challenges. And so for that reason, I'm actually going to go with Cyril Gaon. I just think that you can't sleep on a guy who avoided getting knocked out by Nganu and who dismantled JDS, Jarzinho, uh, Volkov, Derek. All of those guys are either technical or heavy hitters, and Cyril on the feet did his thing. I think that he's going to have the ability to do that against Taito Ivasa. So... Unanimous decision. It's not going to be the prettiest one, sadly, I don't think, but he's going to get the job done. Yeah, I could see that most likely being the outcome. He's just that kind of fighter. He's going to do whatever he has to take, whatever he has to do, excuse me, to get the win, especially at home, especially with you know his position in the rankings. That being said, I'm just going to go against the grain here. <laughs> You're right, though. Your point about Francis Ngannou is, is totally right on. He survived. But, you know, Francis was injured. And Francis, um, you know, there was more at stake for him with holding the belt and being injured. So he wasn't going to go swinging too crazy at Cyril Gaon in that fight. Taito Ivasa has less to lose. Even if he doesn't win this fight, he's still he's still up there in the top. He's still people. He's still someone people want to see in the in the octagon. I think Ty's going to, I'm just going to say, I think he has a chance here. I think he's going to be able to land something in round three or four. I'm going to go ahead and say Ty Tuivasa, KO, round four. Oh, you're confident enough to give your prediction twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I said I get he would you, win, but now I'm, now I'm, you know, right. I'm adding some details. I see you want to, I, I see how it is, Natalie. All right, there we go. We're, um... In agreement for Rob Whitaker, split on tied Cyril. We'll obviously get into that next week. Natalie, next week, UFC 279. Hamza, Nate, the Wolf, the Gangster, Stockton, Sweden. Am I missing anything that you need to hear before we leave it for no, next sir. week? No, sir. Um, you know what? Uh, the fight will be the fight. I hope for everyone involved, the clash of personalities lives up. And so I'm ready for the embeddeds. I'm ready for the countdown. Let's do it. So I'll leave it at that. Guys, thank you for listening. Remember, like, comment, subscribe, and we'll be back next week.